You're listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with host Howard Bender and John and Bemba. What is going on, everybody? John Pemba here with Howard Bender. Welcome into the Quick Out Fantasy Football Show here. Howard Bender filling in for Andrew Cooper is on dad duty. Bender, you know, Coop this week, a little, little, little surprise for him, you know, a little, little like mini vacation, sort of. Really handles being a new dad. So I got you, <laughs> I got you with me here uh, talking a little running back ADP today, man. Dude, literally every person in the world who has kids just said up yours in pen but what are you talking about a little little vacation here no 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 listen he's got the tight end article series that's yeah. been coming out over at fantasyalarm.com uh been staying in touch with things that i hardly hardly think having a newborn uh you know whether you're whether the wife's still in in you know in recovery from the c-section or whatnot there's no way. Aren't they just, aren't they just sleeping and eating at this point? Like, I don't even know. You know, that's, you know, I, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I know Coop, like you said, is still working, though. He's got his latest Titan Fades article uh, out right now. You can go check that out. I see him in the Reddit streets as well, uh, defending his honor as uh, those heathens out there uh, are going after him with some of his hot, spicy takes in there. So uh, check out the Fantasy Football Draft Guide. It's live. You see the QR code there on the screen uh, as you're with Howard and myself here. It comes free with an all-pro subscription that also includes a seven-day free trial. Uh, so go check all that out over at Fantasy Line and become a member of the family today. Get access to everything we do on site, not just uh, fantasy football content, but if you're in MLB, NBA, NHL, MMA, PGA, you name it, we cover it. It's all included in the all-pro subscription. The NFL DFS season is right around the corner. A couple of years ago, we made a guy a million dollars, millionaire Mike, bought himself a boat, uh, won a, a single-entry uh, bullet there on the FanDuel Millie contest. So a lot of exciting things going on here at Fantasy Alarm, including that draft guide uh, being out. We have the player debate series coming up. That was huge last year. A lot of you guys enjoyed that. We'll have that coming out later this week and into the rest of the next weeks coming up. Uh, and of course, we have our premium Discord offering as well. You got myself, Howard Bender, Andrew Cooper, Dan Servadidio, Justin Reeland, James Grande. The whole team is in there. Colby Conway answering your fantasy football questions, getting you ready to dominate your draft. So uh, don't waste any time. Go join the Fantasy Alarm family today, Bender, and, uh, you know, win with us, right? Seriously. Like, and, and here's the thing. Like, why do you want to hit me up on Twitter for answers to your draft strategy questions? All right. The rest of your league mates can see all that. They see who you're asking, how you're asking, why you're asking, and they're going to, you don't want to let them in on it. Join the family Hang out in Discord. I'm all over Discord. John's all over Discord. Coop's in there. Dan Malin, James Grande. I mean, you're going to get some some rock solid uh, work from everybody there. So, yes, that is uh, – that. that's just – it's an absolute must. An absolute must. Yeah. I mean, unless lot, you like losing. I was going to say, you know, unless you're not into strategy articles, uh, player profiles, player breakdown, sleepers, busts, rookies – uh, projections, you know, all that good stuff. If you're not into that, then that's fine. You know, it's a living draft guide, which is great as well. You want to go to your local convenience store and pick up a draft guide. They're telling you that DeAndre Hawkins is still in the Cardinals. You know, they're telling you that Dallin Cook is still on the Minnesota Vikings. How are you supposed to evaluate your, you know, your analysis with the data draft guide? We have the living draft guide. It gets updated as news breaks. Kenneth Walker and, uh, you know, Zach Charbonnet go down. Your magazine says that they're projected for a thousand yards. You should be taking them 
in the third round. We have the updated information. We're here. Uh, the cheat sheets out, like Bender said, getting you ready to uh, get you going there with the draft grid, the auction values, and all the all the rankings over there. So uh, a lot of good stuff in the draft guide, Howard. But we're here to talk some running back ADPs today. How do you feel about that? Uh, you know, I mean, listen, the running back position right now is easily the most polarizing position in, in football because you've got the, the, the stuff that's going on right now, contracts, uh, upset running backs, the Jim, you know, Ursay versus Jonathan Taylor situation. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot going on. You also have a very pass happy NFL. So when you look at most fantasy football drafts and we've got a couple of mock drafts already, uh, over at fantasyalarm.com that you can check out. But with everybody being so heavily into the wide receivers and we're seeing so many wide receivers just in those first three rounds in comparison to what we've seen in years past, I think it's very important to pay attention to the running backs, you know, and, and figure out where you are going to take them. Where is that best value? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and that's been the biggest theme, I think, as we've, you know, broken down the ADPs here, whether it be in best ball dynasty or now as we're working our way into redraft is that the, the shift in ideology, you know, we're so used to these first rounds, eight, nine running backs being taken and you people are, are forced almost to go RB heavy. And, and it led to the zero RB strategy because people were just waiting on all these running backs to come down the board. You knew the injuries were happening, but now there's such a heavy push on these wide receivers all of these running backs are dropping back multiple rounds where you would typically expect them to see. And now it's forcing maybe a different change in strategy and how you're approaching uh, your draft, obviously depending the league format. Um, before we get into breaking down the RDPs here, I want to at least talk about some of the top stories of the running back position, and at least over the last couple of weeks and get your thoughts there uh, relevant to the RB position, uh, the Jonathan Taylor drama, right? We, he's requested a trade. He's holding out. What's your thoughts on this situation? Do we think this gets cleaned up anytime soon? Do the Colts part with him? You know, what are, you, what are your thoughts here? I think it has to be resolved. I mean, I really do. And whether, you know, it's a possible trade or whatever. The thing about it is, and I've said this, you know, on, on a couple of shows right now. Yes, Jim Ursay is handling this like an ass. I mean, he really is. But for the same token, running backs for lack of a better way to say it, or whining like a bunch of bitches. Right. Because, you know, it's like, listen, this is what the CBA is set. And, you know, the NFLPA, uh, DeMaury Smith in particular, this is the deal that, that was negotiated back in 2011 when when the, the owners had an opt-out uh, for the current CBA, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous, you know, in my opinion. But nevertheless, the 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 players association got what they asked for there was a rookie salary cap uh put on there which is now part of the big problem right. uh 50 uh what was it, it was like 50 million dollars uh was pulled out of you know whatever the funding is uh and that's put towards medical research and then a billion dollars was put towards the NFLPA retirement fund so this is what what they asked for. And again, I've said this, you know, before as well. Ownership is playing chess. The NFLPA is playing checkers because the ownership is is sitting there looking at what the economic climate's going to be in 15 to 20 years because football's not going away. The players, they're looking they're in a more short-sighted fashion because they want their money. They want to buy 
their house. They want to get theirs right now. They understand that there's a short shelf life for players. And so everybody's like me, 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 me. They're not being, I guess, trendsetters. Like what you need is you need somebody who stands up for all of the running backs out there. You need the Norma Ray, right? And she's, you know, she's going to, you know, be, and you know, she's a big union rep and take down big business and stuff like that. And, and sacrifice her current needs. And you don't have running backs who do that. So right. Jonathan Taylor, like Josh Jacobs, like Saquon Bart, they have no leverage whatsoever. New CBA is not going to be ratified uh, or voted on even until 2030. So right. the owners really don't have any incentive to, to make any kind of adjustments. Could they play ball and say, all right, this is something that we do need to correct and we want to keep everybody happy yes absolutely but they are not going to do it while running backs are bad mouthing everybody while running backs are, are playing the the social media game you know oh i'm gonna take my team off of my social media follows right now because mm -hmm. i'm all pissed off if you want to try it in the cup in in, in the court of public opinion well running backs you, you're, you're just gonna piss off ownership even more so I think eventually it does get resolved. Jonathan Taylor's too good of a player. I'm buying the dip. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're seeing right now, too, in, in drafts early on. Just a, a small decrease in where he is going because of the uncertainty. And that's where you go ahead and take advantage of some of that uh, that weariness that uh, fantasy managers may have who have drafts right now. Um, thoughts on the guys that are still available, though? Dalvin Cook hasn't signed anywhere. Ezekiel Elliott hasn't signed anywhere. Leonard Fournette hasn't signed anywhere. Kareem Hunt hasn't even visited anywhere that's been reported. You know, like what, what are your thoughts on those guys that are available? Which ones do you think sign first? Well, I think Dalvin Cook right now is just playing the bidding war game. I'm going to talk to the Jets. I'm going to talk to the Patriots. I'm going to talk to Miami. Miami hasn't upped their offer yet. And then Miami came out yesterday. They're like, well, you know, I mean, we're looking at Dalvin Cook, but, you know, if we get him, it's it's more of a luxury signing than anything else. Like, like all of a sudden now the Dolphins, who have put the contract in his hands, uh, are now trying to play coy. Uh, and Dalvin Cook is just trying to drive the price up. He's mm -hmm. going to one of those three teams. I still feel like he wants to be in Miami. Uh, my heart as a Jets fan says, give him to New York and, you know, let's bring Brees Hall along slowly. But that's, you know, Cook will sign somewhere. Jacobs is not going to walk away from 10.1 million. He's just not going to do it. So I think he signs. And then once that happens, then I think the rest of the dominoes fall. Um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, we know that he's been uh, looked at by the uh, the Chargers. We know that he's been looked at by the Cowboys as well. Uh, to come back and do that. And same thing with Fournette. So uh, Hunt, forget it. I, I, I think he's done. I, right? What happened? what happened to him? What well, happened? There's obviously, there's something more behind the scenes because if you're not getting a single visit, right, then there's something wrong there. And I mean, listen, you saw him last year, right? I mean, granted, you're playing with Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb is arguably the best running back in the right. NFL. Not even arguably, he just is. Right. And so Hunt kind of got, you know, completely phased out of things right. in Cleveland. And then they were like, screw it, let him walk. So I think there's something there uh, with Hunt that, you know, we're not hearing or seeing. That's what I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he could have had some offseason surgery. Nobody's reporting on. He's just like not ready to go. Or, or there is some personal reason that, again, we're not even getting reports that he's been in on visits, which, you know, seems wild to me. 
Uh, last, I think, notable thing here, Alvin Kamara meeting with Roger Goodell. He, he pled down to the misdemeanor from the felony. Um, what's your expect expectations for him in terms of possible suspension? And, you know, are you still willing to draft him knowing he could miss games before knowing what he'll miss? Or are you waiting to find out what he'll miss before you dive in? I feel like we're we're in the four to six game range for suspension. I feel like that's kind of where we are pleading down the misdemeanor, but the video doesn't lie. Right. And anybody who's seen that video knows how horrific that really was. Like I felt I'm not trying to laugh or, or make light no, of it. It's more know. like it's more like an uncomfortable laugh, right. right? As anybody who's ever been in a fight and has been punched in the face or kicked in the ribs or anything like that can attest, it is not good. So I kind of feel like, you know, he says he wants to meet with Goodell before they discuss the suspension, stuff like that. So I kind of put it in that four to six range where I feel like it'll end up being like four game suspension uh, for all that. And I mean, listen, where he's going in drafts right now, like I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, I've seen him fall as like, you know, to like the, the seventh, eighth and ninth round in some drafts. So you know, for me, I will, I'll take a look at it. Absolutely. At that price, because at that, you know, if I'm looking in the eighth or ninth round, that dude's like my RB three at best, right. at best. And it's a high upside play. If you're able to kind of wait him out. Uh, I know some leagues have like the NA spots where if he gets suspended, maybe uh, you can slot him in there. If you have a, a way to kind of stash him uh, on a deep bench, like, you know, with the second half of the season, could potentially be uh, with a player of Alvin Kamara's caliber with hopefully an offense that looks more like an NFL offense than he's had to deal with the last few seasons with, you know, Dalton and Taysom Hill and whatever (laughs) else they had down there at quarterback. Maybe Derek Carr can bring a little semblance of order to that offense uh, this season for him. You know, it's, it's gotta be Pete Carmichael. Who's like got like, I don't know, I guess Taysom Hill's got nudie pictures of Carmichael or something like that. Hanging out in a hot tub with somebody because like we thought the Taysom Hill nonsense was going to end when like Sean Payton left and it's persisted. Then Joe Lombardi left and it still persisted. So Carmichael is the, uh, is the one thing that's kind of, Moving along with that, which is just so it's frustrating because it obviously it has its moments where it works, and then that that just continues the reasoning that they're going to keep going to it. If if they could just figure out how to shut him down, then we'd we'd never probably have to worry about it. It's like where you really don't see the wildcat anymore, right? Like once teams figured out how to stop a wildcat, you don't see the wildcat run as much. But now they have Taysom Hill running this offense, and until teams can consistently shut it down. Seems like it's he's going to keep being a problem for us in fantasy. Uh, I see Britt's comment here. Zeke needs to come back to Dallas uh, and Jerry's tea leaves. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see <laughs> if a uh, fullback Ezekiel Elliott can work his way back into that, uh, into that organization. So, uh, all right, Howard, let's just jump in here. Uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in. If you have any questions, feel free to throw them in chat. Howard and I are more than welcome and happy to uh, answer some RB questions, answer some general fantasy football questions. Uh, if he got them for us here as well. Uh, taking a look at the first two rounds in terms of ADP here, uh, we have Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Bijan Robinson, guys going in the first round. Second round running backs, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Tony Pollard, and Derek Henry rounding out uh, the one through eight running back ADPs here. Um, how are you approaching your drafts? Are you targeting either of these if you're in a position to draft them? 
Um, and which of your favorites here of this top two ground uh, position? Right there, RB's three, four, and five, baby. That is without a doubt my wheelhouse. I'm buying into the B. John Robinson thing because I know the scheme that Arthur Smith is going to run. And it's a super easy thing to handcuff Tyler Algier to him later on in your drafts. So you're you're totally covered. Again, it's it's buying into the system, not necessarily just the player. Now, Bijan Robinson, incredibly talented guy, not going to take anything away from him, but it's the system that's also helping make the man. So Bijan, I'm a hundred percent in. I'm a hundred percent in on Nick Chubb. I will always love Nick Chubb. He has always been my guy. And now that Saquon Barkley is signed, we know that that, that Giants offense, it has to run through Saquon Barkley, both the, the, the passing game and the, uh, and the, and the running game. So those are the three guys between the first two rounds. If I, Oh man, dude, if I can come away with two of those three with my first two picks, yeah. I'll be over in the corner over there, like doing <laughs> some unspeakable things to myself. Right. Listen, I, I, for if that reason exactly is why I tend to like drafting at the end of first rounds this year. Um, now, Austin Eckler is always in my guy. If I can get him anywhere in the middle rounds, like rubber stamp on my team, I took him first overall last year in drafts, and people thought I was crazy taking him over Taylor and and CMC. I took him the year before that as well. Um, when he finished RB2, I mean, he's just uh, in PPR and half PPR leagues. He's such a dynamic force here, and I'm not even really worried about Kellen Moore. I know a lot of people keep talking about how Kellen Moore uses running backs in Dallas, but until they bring in Ezekiel Elliott or somebody that can run in the red zone, I'm not worried about Austin Eckler coming off the field. I don't see Isaiah Spiller being a guy that's taking Austin Eckler off the field. Again, if they bring in somebody that can be a red zone bulldozer like a, a Fournette or an Elliott, sure, maybe, but until that depth chart changes, there's nobody behind Austin Eckler that I'm worried about Kellen Moore replacing just because in Dallas he used Elliott over Tony Pollard, two elite running backs. Doesn't have that in the, with the Chargers. I don't see that being a problem for Eckler. Raise your hand, Howard. What do we got? I have to disagree with you. Um, you know, and listen, I think that, you know, it's it's a, a great topic of discussion because we do talk a lot about, you know, offensive schemes. And while it, it has, it's not exactly what we're looking at with what he did in Dallas it's the type of offense that he runs and, and Eckler's primary value is in, in the passing game. Right. I mean, we went through this with Alvin Kamara, right? I mean, 81 receptions, three straight years or four straight years. It was, it was unbelievable, but you know, Kellen Moore doesn't like, you know, I mean, we haven't seen huge passes to, to the running backs. I mean, they they have some, but they don't have the volume passing uh, you know, to to do to to really support what Eckler's targets were the last two years in Joe Lombardi's system, or what was going on, you know, before that with, with the Chargers, they were past. There was a lot of checkdowns to the running backs. I just don't see them in this scheme doing it as much. I think so far, yes, Eckler is their primary guy. Joshua Kelly more than Isaiah Spiller. I think is the concern for the between the tackles and the short yardage work. But that's I like for me, it's just, it's about Eckler and the, uh, and the receptions and targets. And I think that's going to come down uh, to the point where I'm not outright fading him, but he's definitely not my favorite running back. I mean, for me, I like to believe that coaches aren't stupid which is generally wrong. Most coaches in, in the NFL are not very smart. Um, 
But are you going to a new team looking to make your mark here and taking what you have in, as an, an elite skill set at a position with Austin Eckler or what he brings to that offense and just be like, eh, we're not really going to utilize that. Like, I I would I find that difficult to trust because like he's going there looking at his offense and understands how effective he's been in that in that offense as productive as he's been with that offense and I understand that he's bringing his style of play in there but I don't think you're just going to push him aside and no longer utilize what makes that offense so dynamic in its personnel so you know, I would I would be surprised if all of a sudden now he's looking at Austin Eckler and is like, "Hey, you're going to be a 70 target, 60 target guy. We'll give you 30 catches. We'll run you a little bit between the 20s, and like we'll move on." So, you know, to me, I would I would be hurt. I would be hurt financially given the investment <laughs> I've made at Austin Eckler this year. But I don't. I just don't see that being a a, a, a case. I would hope that wouldn't be the case with Kellen Moore. But a lot of the argument that I've heard, Howard, is people more so likening how he used the Elliott Pollard backfield as mm-hmm. a reason to downgrade Austin Eckler. And I'm just like, there's no, Josh, we've seen Joshua Kelly. We, we've seen, like, no, they're not the same caliber of players. He, Elliott was a leading rusher in the NFL. Pollard was a change of pace guy with speed that's obviously come into his own over the last couple of seasons. But that personnel doesn't exist on the Chargers. Yeah. Now, Britt here, how far Eckler's value fall if he was traded to Indy for uh, Taylor? Sure. I mean, I wasn't really in on Taylor this year to begin with because of a little bit of the uncertainty there, especially if they went to the running quarterback with Richardson to start, um, because we see how RPOs can be played. and They don't really check down to the running backs nearly as much, and he's a younger rookie quarterback. So, yeah, that would probably hurt a little bit. But again, you look at that offense. You know, they really don't have, again, guys behind him. We're looking at Moss, who's hurt now, Deion Jackson. I think they have, what, like an undrafted kid that's making some noise there or a late-round pick that's making a little noise in camp as well just because Taylor's not getting reps. If Eckler went to that team, he'd still be the clear-cut number one guy. But sure, I, I don't think that they, his skill set would fit given the personnel quarterback. Now, if Gardner Minshew ends up being the guy, then all systems go. I think he'll be checking down to Eckler all day, so – Oh, uh, I, I, I got, I'm, I have a, a slightly different take here. Sure. I mean, first and foremost, to, to your point about Kellen Moore coming in and tossing aside a, a valuable asset like Austin Eckler, that's exactly what we saw when, uh, when the Saints changed uh, their, their offensive scheme uh, and Joe Lombardi left. I mean, I'm looking at, at you know, a uh, hundred targets, at least a hundred targets on average for, uh, for Alvin Kamara from 2017 through 2020. Last two seasons, 67 targets, 77 targets. Now, granted, he missed a couple of games, uh, you know, but he still, he played 15 last year, 13 the year before. So proportionally, you do see coaches and coordinators come in that they want to put their own stamp in it. Brandon Staley is on the hot seat in, uh, in, in Los Angeles, on the hot seat. So going with what's been, what's been, needs to go away like he needs to inject some new life into this team and that's why he's got kellen moore in there and they were so happy to go away from uh joe lombardi eckler and indy i'm actually more bullish on him in indy than i am with him in uh in in los angeles because i do think that he becomes 
primary back, very featured, a yeah. lot of RPO, a lot of outside uh, zone scheme going on for, for them. It suits Eckler's skill set so much better than Kellen Moore's offensive scheme in Los Angeles. So if let's say, cause I don't remember who, 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 you know, popped that, that possible trade idea into it, right? Like the chargers give Eckler and a second sure. round draft choice to Indy for Jonathan Taylor. And I'm like, smash accept on that sucker right, right there because it works for both. It right. works beautifully for both running backs and for both teams. So if that trade were to happen, Dude, to the moon for both of them for me, I would have to bump both of them up my rankings. So for me, Eckler's obviously like elite fantasy value is tied to his ability to catch passes. You mentioned Alvin Kamara the, the last two years when you mentioned he missed games, his per 17 game average is still 90 targets for each. So a little bit less than where he was at, but they also were toying around with Taysom Hill at quarterback. They had Jameis Winston in there for a little bit. So, again, quarterback change, different style of play. I agree with you a little bit on, on that with Kamara, but, you know, frustrating the way that they were calling the offense uh, in some instances uh, with him out there. And then his own injury problems were hampering him a bit there. But, you know, for me, if just the his, history of a mobile quarterback not throwing to the running back as much, if you want to increase Eckler's carrying, that could actually be a problem in terms of, you know, the wear and tear on him. We haven't really seen him be a guy that's a 250 carry guy, you know, so I worry a little bit there. Um, touchdowns have obviously boosted Eckler's fantasy value as well. Is he going to score as much as the Chargers? Probably not this season. So um, I'd be less bullish on him. But Taylor, I mean, that would be ridiculous if he went to the Chargers all, all system oh. go. Oh, uh, like salivate and just. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> Um, don't need to make waste too much time. I took Saquon Barkley in the uh, FSGA best ball draft, ninth overall. It's a 14 team best ball draft, so pretty deep rosters on there. This was before Barkley had signed his extension. I was never, uh, or the franchise tag, I was never in the belief that he was gonna miss games or hold out, so I felt like I got a pretty good value on him there. And I think you'll see Barkley probably start to move up a little bit more now that uh, he has signed. And you and I have obviously been always big Nick Chubb fans here. I'm not worried about Jerome Ford cutting into Nick Chubb snaps here. And as much as as much as the zero RB truthers out there would like to tout Jerome Ford uh, as the next Kareem Look Hunt. Look at you, Kev Tompkins. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that to be the case. And a lot of people, uh, they like to use sample sizes to, to fit their arguments. So they're like, well, what about the four or five games where Deshaun Watson was QB and Nick Chubb struggled? It's like, yeah, well, Deshaun Watson kind of sucked. Right, I'm going to assume that take the word kind of out of yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to assume <laughs> if Deshaun Watson is better this year with like another full season under his belt, getting the rust off, that offense is going to be good. And we saw the numbers that Brissett put up. Uh, Brissett, we saw that Chubb put up with Brissett under quarterback. I have to hope that Deshaun Watson can bring that out of Chubb uh, if he plays better. So uh, that's the guys in rounds one and two uh, here, Howard. If we're Taking a look at the next couple of rounds of plays here, rounds three and four. Uh, Josh Jacobs still hanging around RB9, but we see him dropping. Ramondre Stevenson at RB10. Najee Harris, Reese Hall, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs, Joe Mixon, Kenneth Walker. Again, guy that's likely dropping down due to the injury. And Aaron Jones rounding out your RB9 through 17. We're not even in the top 20 RBs. We're through four rounds. That's, again, kind of just pointing out the change in philosophy here at the the position. Yeah, very, very intriguing there. All right, so from this range here, 
Um, I, I think we're both in on Ramondre Stevenson, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about them working these guys out. I think I have a little bit of a different perspective being a Patriots fan, being around the local media. Anytime Belichick brings in a name running back, everybody starts tweeting, here we go. Like, so and so to the Patriots, where Belichick has said a bunch of times, and it's been reported as so, he likes to work out guys all the time. So when an injury does happen, he has a list of players that fit their scheme, are in shape, understand what they're looking to do, and then they give that guy a call and then bring him in at a later point in the season. So it's not that he's bringing in Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette or Ezekiel Elliott to sign them today. It's that if Ramondre Stevenson goes down today at practice, he already knows which of those three running backs are in shape, understood their system, and can be brought in at a salary that they probably are willing to pay and sort of fill the gap. That's generally how he handles these workouts. So I'm never, you know, ooing and ahhing when he brings a guy in for a workout here. More likely than not, it's just to get paper on a guy to maybe bring in at some point during the year. So I think so we're we're both of like mind there. So Ramondre Stevenson, I'm starting to soften a little bit on on Najee Harris. I know everybody's in on Jalen Warren late, but I, I still think that Najee is somebody that we need to take a you know take a longer look at, um, especially with Pittsburgh trying to you know make those improvements on their offensive line. Um, I'm in on Joe Mixon. Dude took a pay cut for this year and next year to stay with the team. He wants to be a part of it. Um, yes, I, I guess, you know, Chase Brown, who they brought in is, is, you know, fine to develop for the future, but I'm, I'm perfectly fine here with, uh, with Joe Mixon. I think those three guys, Stevenson, Harris, Mixon, those are my favorites out of this group here. Uh, and Aaron Jones, I, I kind of bring in as my, uh, as my, my fourth. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in on Ramondre here just cause I think he's gonna be a volume monster. And I believe in Bill O'Brien flipping this offense around. Uh, I don't mind Najee Harris. Again, I, I'm a little bit more bullish on the Steelers this year offensively than I think most are. I, I think Pickett going to give him an opportunity in year two, second full season as an NFL quarterback. Same offensive system here, a little bit better of an offensive line um, that that offense can get a, some things moving on. I think I might be straying from the field a little bit on Jameer Gibbs. It seems like Twitter is definitely torn on the guy. Um, for me, it's more so that I think the investment of him in terms of draft capital and now even more so the draft video that they that they tweeted out about just like how excited they were to get this guy, that they were actually willing to draft him. What was it at like six, but they did the trade back and they were still able to get him at 13. Everybody looks at DeAndre Swift and is like, well, look how they use DeAndre Swift. This is exactly what they're going to use at Jameer Gibbs. It's like they're two different players. DeAndre Swift was never healthy. If DeAndre Swift could have shown some durability, I guarantee you he would have been an every down back for that offense with his speed, his ability to be, be an impact game in the passing game. You know, Just like you see Alvin Kamara and guys like that able to play every down, it's just that DeAndre Swift wasn't able to do that. So – for my opinion, given the investment they made with Jameer Gibbs, and now even more so, seeing how in on they were uh, on their like draft process videos on the guy and the impact he can make in that passing game, I think they're going to utilize him more in the early downs than people are giving them credit for. Everybody looks at 
what Jamal Williams did last year with his leading touchdowns and they bring in David Montgomery and paid him to sort of take over that role. And that's all fine and dandy, but Jamal Williams only got the carries that he was getting that consistently because DeAndre Swift was hurt all the time. I feel like if DeAndre Swift was healthy, he would have been that main back. You would have seen Williams as a change of pace, a short yardage guy. And sure, if they get another 25 touches inside the five, maybe you'll see David Montgomery approach double-digit touchdowns. But if DeAndre Swift was healthy, who's to say that we wouldn't see them scoring more from outside the five, from the 10 maybe, outside the 10, with this big playmaking ability that Jameer Gibbs can have. Uh, I see Britt's commentaries lining up his wide receiver with Montgomery on the field. That's great. Want to see him more on there now. I'm going to pause and, and take that for that uh, report as it is, because how many times have we seen Travis Etienne is lining up as a wide receiver? Kareem Hunt is lining up as a wide receiver. We see this re- these reports, DeAndre Swift, I think, even, lining up as a wide receiver, and then it comes to the actual season, and these guys are never lining up as wide receivers. They're just kind of flashing different sets here. But I think Jameer Gibbs is going to surprise a lot of people who are doubting him because they're looking too much at what DeAndre Swift's profile was and excited for what we saw out of uh, out of Jamal Williams and now thinking, hey, David Montgomery's the guy. I think, I think Jameer Gibbs is the guy. I'm all in on him. I've been drafting him. Uh, in places and it feels like I'm going against the grain here a little bit with the majority of at least fantasy football Twitter and I you know I, I've not fully planted the flag yet but we're getting there we're getting to a point where I, I'm I'm gonna start touting Jameer Gibbs pretty heavily here I um I, I mean I'm kind of on the fence still about it I mean dude's 5'9 200 pounds they're focusing much more on his passing on his receiving work um, and and they did. They brought in and paid money to David Montgomery, who is a is is a very versatile back. I mean, you know, David Montgomery very underutilized in the passing game uh, in Chicago. And every time you know he would catch a pass and he would you know take off with it, everybody's like, oh look at that, they're getting him finally more involved in the passing game and you know whatever. So I, I mean, I like Gibbs from a talent standpoint, and I understand what the lions are doing, but to turn around here and say, based on what we've seen the, you know, how they like to run the offense uh, in, in Detroit and what Dan Campbell likes to do. I just, I think that, you know, this late third round pick early fourth round pick is a lot of draft capital to spend on a guy who could conceivably just be used as like a, just a third down back. Like I think that they'll, they'll try to keep him involved as much as possible, you know, because, you know, when you bring a guy like in, in like that, you can put him, you line him up wherever you want to line him up, but are you going to actually use him in, in all of that fashion? Or does he also at times become a little bit more of a decoy because you're a little worried about, you know, somebody's always got to like keep an eye and see where where's uh, where's Gibbs because you know he could be a, a little on the sneaky side there and a quick short pass and he could be off to the races. Like that's there's definitely that skill set. I just I I worry about undersized running backs whose biggest focus from everybody has been the number of passes that he's caught. Like why am I why am I investing you know such you know huge draft capital. Uh, in a player like that. 
Well, I mean, if, from a fantasy football perspective, you know, there's, you know, the catch is more valuable than the, the rush, right? In terms of a point, so if you're in a half point or full point uh, PPR league. But again, for me, I just believe that he's going to be more involved than people are giving him credit for. I think a lot of the detriment around him is, again, the hype based off of the comparison to what we saw out of Jamal Williams last year and just the injuries that DeAndre Swift, when DeAndre Swift was healthy, he was their leading running back for a lot of those games early on. And you he was di- back. You died on this hill last year, dude. You and I fought back and forth about it late in the season. I know, but that's what would happen. He would come back. He'd be the guy. He would get hurt. He'd get dinged. He'd limit him and then be down. And you see the split carries. But even if this ends up being a split carry workload or a snap share workload, like it still feels like Gibbs has the higher profile because it just seems unlikely they're going to have so many touches inside the five again that Montgomery's going to be in there to get all of those touchdowns. Now, I feel like we're going to see more touchdowns outside of that spot where Gibbs is going to be utilized. So that, again, I'm willing to sort of flag plan here. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be a steal um, where he's going in drafts because people, like you said, they're they're not sure how to evaluate him. I think you have to kind of pick one side of the fence here. I'm picking on the side they're going to utilize him more. You're looking at the offense and, and thinking David Montgomery is going to be a guy that's going to be in there more as an early down, short yardage end zone guy, and Gibbs is going to be the scat back, but I just don't think you use a 13th overall, I think it was 13th or 12th overall pick on a guy that you plan on to be on the field 30% of the time on third down. So I just, I, I just can't see that being the case. So um, that that's my opinion there on, on the third, fourth round guys. Um, I'm, I'm in with you there and some of the, uh, some of the fades there uh, in that range. Let's uh, let's move on here uh, into rounds uh, five through nine. Uh, just some notable ADPs here. Uh, guys in this range, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, Damian Pierce, Alexander Madison, Cam Akers, Dalvin Cook, Rashad White, DeAndre Swift, and James Conner are your RB 18 through 27 going rounds five through nine. So obviously as we get a little bit deeper into drafts, the EDP ranges kind of separate themselves out here a little bit more. But if you're looking to draft, uh, talk to me about some of your favorites here, Howard. Um, out of this list here, obviously, uh, Miles Sanders, I'm definitely in on, uh, you know, I mean, just hit up at Coupe Fiasco and ask him about Miles Sanders. We've, right. you know, we've, we've gone over and over. There's a full, beautiful player profile sitting on fantasyalarm.com uh, that we can t- retweet to everybody again to make sure that you guys are actually seeing it. Um, I like Acres. I don't love Acres, but I like Acres. Dalvin Cook. I'm fine with him. Go to Miami. If he goes to the Jets, he's obviously devalued because, uh, you know, because of the presence of Brees Hall. But I think then Dalvin Cook, to me, becomes a a great early season acquisition for fantasy. And then you try and dish him off because once Brees Hall is fully back to being Brees Hall, you know, it's a great one-two punch towards the tail end of the season. But you know, again, I think that, you know, it makes it easier there for, for them. But if he goes to Miami, I'm 100% in uh, on Dalvin Cook. And I love Rashad White for the volume. And I actually like James Conner for the volume as well. Everybody keeps, you know, dismissing Arizona because they're a, a crap team and we don't know what's going on with Kyler Murray. They are a bad team, but Conner is he's, he's involved in the passing game there as well. Uh, and they don't have any any featured backs yeah. behind him that really kind of concern me. He's not a target of mine, but if I'm looking and I need a running back, I'm not going to overlook Connor. Yeah, he feels like a safe floor guy. That's yeah. kind of where I, that's where I am with Connor as well, a guy that I'm not avoiding. But if I'm sitting there and I'm like, 
I kind of need like an RB4, you know, RB5. Like I, I'm happy to draft Connor there. I think he can, um, you know, make make some interesting moves. I got to ask you, though, now, now Andrew Cooper obviously does his wide receiver article comparing it to uh, Vegas totals. Um, some of the running back rushing totals, I think, to me, are a little bit surprising. Cam Akers is at, uh, I think it was like 700 or 750 yards rushing. Um, you talk about an offense that, again, doesn't really have a running back behind Akers. We've seen him finish strong last year. We saw him, obviously, as a rookie breakout. He got a little bit of a, a weird first half of last year. You know, does that worry you at all when you're looking to target a guy? If you go to look at their Vegas rushing odds and you said you like Rashad White, they have him at 700 rushing yards as an over-under uh, there. You know, how much do you put into what Vegas is putting their rushing totals compared to guys you're looking to draft? I put some into it because I do think that a lot of the Vegas algorithms, uh, you know, and the handicapping doesn't take – everything into consideration i think they do put a lot of weight on past performance and you know again it's a totally different scheme uh that you're looking at like rashad white i'm not saying that rashad white's gonna be a thousand yard rusher but they're gonna give him the volume now as the phrase goes the phrase that pays is that running the football is a luxury of winning teams tampa bay we don't see them being a winning team right. so you know, for that, the Rams are not viewed as a winning team. So, you know, the expectation, I think, from Vegas is that these guys will run the football hard in the first half. But as soon as their teams fall out of it, then then what kind of carries are they going to get in the second half of the uh, of the season? But, you know, I kind of look towards, you know, what happened with Damian Pierce last year. Houston was terrible. But Lovey Smith was like, I don't care. I'm running that football no matter what. And we saw, like, how many times did we see Damian Pierce, like, break some, like, big crazy run in the second half where you're like, oh, my God, I, I, I expected this dude to be game flowed out. And meanwhile, you know, he just popped for somebody in a GPP because he rushed for an 85-yard touchdown, you know. So right. I look at guys like White and Akers as bell cows for their offensive scheme. I'm not worried too much that Vegas is uh, is kind of lowballing it here because I mean let's face it when you're dealing with over unders in in football right you tend to want to lean on the under anyway because you know it's 17 weeks or 17 games it's you know injuries crop up on players all the time there's there's all sorts of you know circumstances that kind of tell you that you have to really err on the side of caution and go with the under. There are some that I like that I'll, you know, I'll be like, oh, they're too low on that. But, you know, when you're talking about a guy like White, you're talking about a guy like Akers, in fantasy, I'm I'm in. But betting their, their, their over-under on their rushing yard props, I'm not even going to touch. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. A guy that I have been in on here, we'll look at the second group here from uh, rounds five to nine, uh, Javante Williams. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I am – High on Javante Williams, anyways. Love that he was able to avoid, uh, you know, the pup list that he's been out there. Uh, looks like he could be ready to go. He was again somebody that I took in that best ball draft. Uh, is a 14 team league, I think I got him in rounds four or five, and that was well above ADP at the time for him. Um, but if he's a full system go, I'm okay if he's slow to start, but if three, four games into the season, they're like, all right, he's healthy 70%. 
of the snaps go in that offense with Sean Payton in that in that Broncos system. I, I I think he is an absolute bargain where he's going right now. If he would did not have that knee injury, he would be a second round pick this year, right? Like if that if we if he lived up to expectation and the type of player that he can be, he'd be in that second round, third round mix. Instead, he's going you know ADP seventy three RB RB twenty seven. Uh, I've been grabbing a lot of shares of John, Javante Williams, and his ADP is only going up. So people are starting to take it more. Um, you know, the value is still there, though. I've got some shares of him. Listen, I was a hundred. I was all in on him last year. I had him everywhere last season. Um, you know, I mean, he was just he was my guy. I was like, I love the. You know, I love the scheme that they want to run here. I know that that you know of, of what his skill set is. That he can catch passes out in the flat as well. Um, you know, early on best balls, things like that. I mean, listen, the knee injury was devastating because he, it wasn't just like, oh, I tore my ACL. It was like my ACL, my MCL, my PCL, uh, you know? So, I mean, everything was just, you know, shredded there and it was, you know, they, they really weren't, didn't sound confident in his progress throughout the off season, but now not going on pup now that he's, you know, he's sitting in practices still. And here we are August 2nd. Uh, and he's being featured, I'm getting more and more, you know, trusting of him. I will still, I'll still handcuff to Samaj P. Ryan. And I do think that P. Ryan will have some standalone value still, uh, whether Javante's there in week one or not. I think P. Ryan will still have that, that value, but yeah, man. I mean, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to let him fall like that, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, right? If he's, if they think he's ready to go, who am I to argue against it? You know, uh, you know, we, if, if he's out there, he's practicing, he's going to be ready for week one. I'm going to, I'm going to believe in the talent and the guy. I think that knee is good, ready to be there. Uh, other uh, guys in this range, I was targeting James Cook before the Naeem Hines injury. Now, I don't think the Naeem Hines injury really impacts James Cook all that much anyways, but um, you look at what they brought in here after Devin Singletary left, you know, they traded Zach Moss last year. They have Damian Harris on a one-year deal. They have Latavius Murray on a one-year deal. Neither is really for much money. Um, they use their early-round draft capital on James Cook. And to me, he profiles as a guy that can be explosive in this offense playing next to Josh Allen, can be the home run hitter running the football. If they want to check down to him, he can get that done too. We saw Devin Singletary last year among the leaders in routes run as a running back here. Um, so I was already very high on James Cook. I, I think that Naeem Hines – Injury maybe put his name a little bit more on radars, even though it, that injury to me didn't necessarily need to do that. Um, but he's a guy that I've been drafting as well. What are your thoughts on James Cook this year? I, you know, I like James Cook a lot, and I've got him in a couple of spots because, you know, Ken Dorsey, when he took over as the uh, as the the coordinator when, uh, when Dayball left, was very much adamant about the fact that he preferred a, a, a little bit more of a balanced offense. You also want to be protective of Josh Allen. You don't want him running the football as much as he is because you see Josh Allen, right? And he's like running the football. The, the Bills are up by three scores. Right. And and he's still, he's like gutting it out for like, you know, to, to get that extra yard, to get that first down. And he's like putting himself at risk. And they do want to kind of hedge back on that. If you look at the offseason moves that they did, um, you know, rebuilding that offensive line was a priority for theirs in free agency and then they drafted um osiris torrance in the second round uh and he's a, a huge huge awesome run blocker so 
I think Buffalo is starting to try and make that move there. And I think getting rid of Singletary and bringing in Harris was actually a, a huge plus for Cook because Harris is less of a, a, of a versatile back yeah. than Cook is. You know, Cook and Singletary, you're kind of dealing with like the same guy almost. But, you know, Harris is just, you know, between the tackles, short yardage, you want him to pound the, the, the rock like that. It leaves so much more open for uh, for Jared Cook, so much more room for activities, John. Yeah, again, I was uh, yeah, I had a pretty good fantasy football season last year. <laughs> One of the reasons uh, was actually Devin Singletary. I mean, I did not project him to be as involved in a passing game as he was, which is huge. Uh, but the way he finished that year, uh, the year prior for Buffalo, where you know they had that game against Tampa Bay where they didn't run a single time, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, in like the first half or whatever it was. Uh, and then all of a sudden they started leaning on the running back a little bit more and, and you know, down the stretch. And we saw Singletary, you know, be a league winner for guys that had him on their roster down that play of fantasy football playoffs. I was kind of drafting him building off of that performance, thinking they saw they needed to be a little bit more of a balanced offense. They saw the versatility that Singletary can bring to that team. He had a great year. Then they drafted James Cook. And then we saw at times where Cook would play over Singletary for stretches of games. And he looked good when doing it. He had a pretty good game against the Patriots. Um, and now I, I kind of look at him almost at the exact same EDP that Singletary was being taken last year. And I'm like, guys, we just saw this. We saw the player that they wanted, they wanted to use him like. Uh, so yeah, I am I'm just buying a lot of James Cook shares here. Um, quickly, thoughts on the Washington running back situation. Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson going right after each other, RB33, RB34. Dude, every every time I do a show with Britt Flynn, she like hands me a pitcher of Kool-Aid. That's labeled Antonio Gibson. And I'm coming around on it more and more. I mean, listen, Eric B. Enemy, what does he do in this system? He's copying uh what they're doing over for the um, you know, for, for the Chiefs. He's copying their uh ooh, look at that. Oh, you guys can't see me right now, but uh, but I, I just got me a, a nice little smoothie here in the middle say, of the we'll, show. We'll, we'll throw it on there, Howard. What kind of smoothie are we drinking? Mm-hmm. What kind of smoothie am I drinking? I have no idea, but it comes in this beautiful fantasy alarm pint glass. Love that. And uh, and who doesn't love that at all? Mm-mm-mm. Anywho, <laughs> I, shout I, I, out I, to my darling wife for, uh, for, for being such an amazing woman. Everybody right needs there. a nice, cool refreshment, right? You know, out there in the shed, Howard, you know? <sighs> you know, I'm like working hard hours yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, where were we? Uh, Antonio Gibson. Oh, Antonio Gibson. So I am, I'm buying in on him more and more because that's the, the offense that, that Eric B enemy has been running. And we, we know Andy Reed's system. They love pass catching running backs. They just wish that they were able to do it more with like a bell cow back and not have to constantly like bring in Jarek McKinnon. So I think right now we could see a little bit of an edge here for Antonio Gibson. Now, Jim Bowden and I, we battle back and forth. He is 100% in on Brian Robinson, and I'm like 80% in Antonio Gibson. But, you know, I like Robinson. I don't love Robinson. So I'm kind of leaning in that direction um, for right now. So, yeah, I would say PPR leagues, Gibson, half-point PPR or or standard uh, for the four of you who play standard still. I would kind of lean Robinson. Yeah. Uh, you know what you want to do? You want to play Robinson in week one when they're home against the Cardinals. Uh, and then 
don't ever play him again. Uh, you said running is the luxury. <laughs> running is the luxury of the winning team. Well, I don't know if you've seen uh, the schedule here for the Washington Commanders oh, this year. Crazy, right? But they are in trouble early. Uh, after the home game against the Cardinals, they have at Denver, home against Buffalo, at Philly, home against the Bears, at the Falcons, at the Giants, home against the Eagles, Patriots, Seahawks, Giants, like AFC East, NFC East, tough as they come in terms of scheduling. Um, And then they have, you know, the uh, NFC West on their schedule here as well. 49ers, Rams, Seahawks. I I don't know how many games the Washington Commanders are winning this season. So I don't know where Brian Robinson is supposed to be scoring all these fantasy points when he averaged less than four yards a carry last year. Uh, I think Gibson's going to be on the field a lot because they're just playing down, which is kind of why I'm like semi-bullish on Sam Howell um a little bit because if we are to believe his rushing potential i know andrew cooper does not believe in his rushing upside but if they have to throw a lot because they're trailing that just means more potential for him to scramble and use his legs a little bit more um you know so if you're in a super flex league or two qb league like i'm okay going sam howell because i don't think they're going to be winning or up in many games this year that that schedule is brutal here a uh, couple more minutes, so let's just go uh, final notable RBs. I got Jared McCannon on the on the picture here. Um, you mentioned Eric Bieniemy no longer there. Does this change at all then a strategy for the oh, Chiefs? No, 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 not okay. at all. I mean, it's Matt Nagy, right? So right. he he was the coordinator before Bieniemy, and then he tried to you know do his thing in in Chicago and failed miserably. This is always Andy Reid's offense. Always Andy Reid's offense. So I'm fine with McKinnon on this list here. Right there, 42, 45, 49, baby. I love that range. McKinnon, Bigsby, who I think is going to get some good short yardage between the tackles work in Jacksonville, and Singletary, who I think, you know, I mean, Coop and I have talked about this a bunch, the pass catch and running back. So when Houston's trying to play catch up in the second half, who's going to be on the field? It's going to end up being, you know, probably a little bit more Devin Singletary. So right. those three guys are the ones who I like the most right now. Yeah, uh, I've been grabbing a lot of Jarek McKinnon um, just because of his usage in that offense uh, last season and how dynamic of a player I think he's always been capable of. It's been injuries that really hold held him down for a lot of his early career, but now they got him in a great spot where they don't have to burn him out too much and use him as a change of pace guy and someone that Mahomes can just do magic with. Uh, Another guy on this list that I've been taking a lot of is Zamir White before the Josh Jacobs news even came out. I I thought that there was a lot of signs that this could be a year where Josh Jacobs' season may end the way Derek Carr's season ended. The Las Vegas Raiders are not expected to win a lot of games. Josh Jacobs, I don't think, likes being in Las Vegas. I don't think many players like playing for Josh McDaniels. I think he might be done after this year, uh, the way he's just gone to organizations and just tanked them uh, fairly quickly. So, I, I mean to me, Zamir White's a guy that could see early down work. He's got a guy that is capable in the passing game a little bit as well if they want to throw to him. And if Jacobs holds out or is a guy that's like, oh, my groin, oh, my quad, oh, my calf, you know, and is constantly dinged up because he just doesn't want to be there uh, in Las Vegas. And Zamir White's a free square uh, late round pick. You know, Coop does a lot of these uh, articles, uh, lottery tickets versus scratch tickets, right? And Zamir White's a guy that could be maybe a little bit of both. If in week one, Zamir White doesn't see the field, then you can let him go, go to your waiver wire, pick somebody else up. But if in week one, Zamir White's got 40% of the snap share, 
Well, now you got yourself a lottery ticket there with your last pick. And a guy that could easily take over the lead role if Jacobs just decides to cash it in this year and go hit free agency next year for a bigger deal. So um, I'm interested there for Zamir White. I like Malik Davis as a late round throw and McKinnon there as well. Well, all righty. That's where I'm at. That's where I like those of you uh, who are listening <laughs> on the podcast here. Uh, we got Cleo Herbert, Zach Charbonnet, Jared McKinnon, Tank Bigsby, Devin Singletary, Ezekiel Elliott, Zamir White, and Malik Davis here as some late round dart throws at the running back position. Uh, Howard, spending great time here doing the Quick Out Fantasy Show with you. Any final words for people at home? No. Uh, hit that QR code right there. Get the Fantasy Alarm Draft Guide. Get the cheat sheet. Subscribe to the All Pro subscription. We ain't going to let you down. We got way too much firepower here at Fantasy Alarm. Way too much. Uh, Amen to that. All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Catch y'all later.